So good to have you at church tonight. And if you're online, good to have you joining us. We're going to be continuing our series tonight called Live Like a King. How many of you have been enjoying this series? I've been enjoying it more than I even expected to. And we've been following along the life of King David, who was the greatest king in the Old Testament for the people of God. And in his life, we can learn a lot of lessons that apply to our life. Now, where we're going to pick up tonight in 2 Samuel chapter 2 is that King Saul, uh, who you've learned about, was chasing David all over the place, trying to kill him, making his life a living hell. And now we read uh, at this point that he had died and David had become king. He had been anointed, that he had risen to power. And he's going to have a conversation that we're going to read about with some of the guys who had followed King Saul. So 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, it says, David and his wives and his men and their families all moved to Judah. And they settled in the villages near Hebron. Then the men of Judah came to David and anointed him king over the people of Judah. When David heard that the men of Jabesh Gilead had buried Saul, he sent them this message. May the Lord bless you for being so loyal to your master Saul and giving him a decent burial. May the Lord be loyal to you in return and reward you with his unfailing love. And I too will reward you for what you have done. Now that Saul is dead, I ask you to be my strong and loyal subjects like the people of Judah who have anointed me as their new king. So this is a passage that I read and I wasn't originally planning to include in this series. But as I read this, I felt like God has something to say to our church through this passage. And I believe that this message will not be your favorite sermon ever. It won't be the easiest to hear, but it could change your life. If you will listen to the principles in this passage and apply them to your life, you could save yourself from so many years of heartache and bitterness. I want to talk to you tonight on the subject of how to talk like a king. You got to learn how to talk like a king. Now, uh, we see some things with this conversation David just had that will teach us a lot if we'll listen. Uh, the normal pattern of response in our world is that when people try to hurt you, typically what we do as human beings is try to hurt them back, right? Like if someone criticizes you and attacks you, just normal human behavior, we're all kind of gonna admit that we're not perfect here tonight. What we tend to do is I'm throwing my right hook back at you. You know, if you come at me, I'm coming back at you. Uh, this is the way that people tend to react. We so easily use our words as weapons. If you're married, anybody married in here, right? You know the thing to say to your spouse that will cut deep, right? You've got a tool, you got like a hammer hidden underneath the table that if the conversation goes bad enough, you know you can pull that thing out and wound her. You know you can pull that thing, well, remember what you did? We know that our words are weapons that we can use to hurt people. Pastor Rick Warren said that hurt people hurt people. So often when we hurt other people, it's because someone hurt us and we're just reacting. Or it's helpful to remember that if someone has hurt you and said something to you or done something to you, probably someone else has hurt them. And this is the typical pattern of our world, that when you get hurt, you seek to hurt back. But I want to believe that we're better than that. I believe that you are better than that. That as kings and queens in God's kingdom, you as royalty can rise above what other people do and live at a higher standard. 
We see in, in life that kings and rulers and presidents, they are kind of expected to act with dignity and professionalism and talk respectfully, not just spouting off whatever comes to their mind. Some rulers are better at that than others. Amen? I'm not taking a political stance right now. Don't get nervous. I'm just saying, let's be real. I think that as co-heirs with Christ who've been adopted into the family of God, we have to respond with dignity and respect. We need to talk to people in a way that reflects our status as royalty. We're better than the world. We can act at a higher uh, standard and live according to a higher call. These men of Jabesh Gilead, that's an interesting mouthful of a, a city, right? Like our Ahwatukee campus has a hard enough time explaining to people where they live. But this place was called Jabesh Gilead. That was the name of the city. And these guys who lived there, they were followers of Saul. They were servants of Saul. And so as a sign of respect, they wanted to bury him now that he had died. He was the former king, the king who was trying to kill David. But these guys were loyal to Saul. They wanted to honor him and they gave him a good, proper burial. Now understand how dangerous that was. In this day, if there was a power struggle going on and you happened to back the losing side, that meant you were likely to go down with the ship. If you back the losing side in a power struggle, you are just as likely to be executed. And these guys, they knew they were taking a risk, I believe, burying King Saul. They had already put themselves in danger by following him. Now that he was dead and David was king, they could have been executed. And they were going even one step further and burying King Saul, which could have attracted the wrong kind of attention. And I think a petty man or even a common man might have gone after them or cursed them or sought to get even to bring payback, but instead, because of the honor in his heart, King David, he speaks to these men with respect, and he talks about King Saul, his father-in-law, like he was a man of honor whom he loved, even though King Saul was the father-in-law from hell. And you know, the guy that, and I'm grateful I have a great father-in-law, but you don't want to have King Saul as a father-in-law. Uh, he would have made David's life really difficult. And so now that David has the opportunity to, to speak to these men, these men who supported the king who was trying to kill him, what does he do? He says, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. I think it would have been a lot more tempting and a lot easier to send a message that said, you backed the wrong horse in this race. I'm the king now and you're going to pay. That would have been the tempting thing to do, the easy thing to say. Let's be honest right now, okay? It's really easy to lash out at people who hurt you. It's very tempting to criticize people who criticize you, isn't it? When someone says something to you that stings, what's your natural reaction? Throw it right back at them. Oh yeah, well what about you? You've got problems too. That's just what we typically do. We're humans and we have a sinful nature. But Jesus calls us to a higher standard. In Luke chapter 6, 27, he said, but to you who are willing to listen, are you ready to listen? He says, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Man, this verse, wow, it's easy to say amen to, not easy to live out, right? It, it can be really tough. It can be tough to live this way. This is one of those verses you read where Jesus is talking and you're like, really, Jesus, have you met me? But I believe that by God's grace, this can be a church where we speak life where we give life and speak life and treat people better than they deserve. Don't you want to be a part of a church like that? Come on. If you believe it's possible. And so I want to give you three reasons why you should talk like a king. 
Talk like a king. Talk with dignity and with honor towards people, with respect, and talk to people better than they deserve. Here's the first reason if you're taking notes. Uh, Blessing those who curse you will benefit you. In the Old Testament, when God blesses someone, he's like, I bless you, and then he usually gives them a promise, like, I'm going to multiply your descendants, and I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to provide for you, and I'm going to give you the land. In other words, to bless someone for us is to say, I want the best for you, and as far as it's up to me, I'm going to do good to you. I'm going to do everything in my power to do good to you. And that's what we saw with David in verse five. He said, may the Lord bless you for being so loyal to your master Saul and giving him a decent burial. Said, may the Lord bless you. These guys who are supporting the rival king, the king who was trying to kill him. He says, may the Lord bless you. Now, the question though is, well, how does that benefit David? He blesses these guys, but how does that benefit him? I just said it will benefit you to bless those who curse you. And I want to get to that. These guys of Jabesh Gilead, they were loyal to the old king. They honored King Saul. They even put themselves at risk to bury him and give him a proper burial. And so I think David saw that. And even though he might have been tempted to have negative feelings toward them or to want to get even, I think he as a king said, wow, those guys, they're honoring to their old king. I want them to honor me now as their new king. I want those kind of guys to be on my team, right? Like when I look at how someone treats their old leaders, when I hear how people talk about their old church, it tells me a lot about what's going on inside of their heart. You'd be surprised how often I meet people in the lobby and they're like, Pastor Ryan, this church is amazing. I'm like, oh, go on, tell me more. They'll say, not, sometimes it's like, they'll say things like, not like my last church. Oh, let me tell you what, it was a mess and people there were not cool and the pastor was a jerk. And I'm thinking, you know, it's probably not going to be long till you find the same things here. But when they say, man, my last church was the best and everyone was so loving and and I was so sad to leave. Then I'm thinking, man, you're probably going to find a lot of good things here, too. Right. And I always want to hear I want to hear how people talk about their old leaders and about their old bosses, about their old church, because it tells you about maybe some of the blind spots and the, the character issues in their heart. Right. Think about that. God honors those who honor others. And these were men of honor, the men of Jabesh Gilead. And so David was now honoring them. God blesses us when we live our lives showing honor to other people. In Matthew chapter five, verse seven, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. David was going to go on. And if you know his story, there was going to come a day where he would need mercy. How many of you say, I need mercy? I'm grateful. My dad used to tell me growing up hey, those who show mercy will receive mercy. That, that always stuck with me in my mind because I knew as a kid who got in trouble a lot, I need a lot of mercy. So maybe I should be a little slower before I drop the hammer of justice on other people because there's going to come a day when I stand guilty and I want mercy too. In Proverbs 11, verse 17, it says, those who are kind benefit themselves but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. In other words, church, you reap what you sow. If you sow seeds of mercy and kindness, you will reap mercy and kindness. And maybe you're wondering right now, well, is that selfish to be merciful to other people just so I'll receive mercy? I don't think it's selfish. I think it's smart. I think you're just listening to the promises of God and saying, okay, I'll play by those rules. I want to receive mercy. I want to receive kindness. You could almost be grateful when other people curse you. 
Because you know, man, by blessing you, I'm going to benefit myself. I'm going to benefit. Maybe right now you hear this subject about blessing those who curse you, and you're thinking of people who have hurt you, people who have done wrong to you, and you're, you're already struggling. There's already a tension in your heart. This is a sensitive subject, and it brings up memories of painful past experiences, and it brings faces to your mind of people who have hurt you, and it begins a process inside of you, a process that is difficult and painful, but I believe it's a process that leads to a resolution of health and prosperity, and so maybe you're already struggling with this, and you're like, bless those who curse me. No, I can't. Well, listen, if you can't bless them, at least start by not cursing them, right? Listen, I'm a fan of baby steps. I believe in the power of baby steps. You don't have to be a perfect Christian to see Christianity start working for you. You just got to take baby steps, little steps, right? Like, well, I can't bless them right now, but at least I'm not going to curse them. I'll just keep my mouth shut because that's the best I can do today. And I know that, that there will be another day when maybe I can bless him. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut right now. I know I could say some things, but, but no, I won't because I'm going to remember what God said. And uh, I'm not going to drive the root of bitterness even deeper into my heart. Uh, and I believe there will come a day when God will help me to, to bless those who curse me. And, and I got to tell you that I've struggled with this issue, and it's something that's hard for me. Just like a person, some of you have the personality of being someone who is very merciful naturally. How many mercy people we have in the room? You just love to forgive people. You want to give everyone a second chance, right? You're just like, come on, you see the good in people. Like, he can do even better. And then there are justice people, and you're like, kill him off with their head. <laughs> you do the crime, you pay you pay the, t you, know, the t you do the time, right? And so that's like, that's my natural tendency is to be a justice person. And if someone wrongs me, well, I'm right. And so I want to come after you and I want to tell everyone how I'm right. And I want to punish you for hurting me. And, and that's just my natural tendency. I, I mean, I'm not a perfect person. This is hard for me. There have been times when I've had struggles and I wasn't as kind to people as I should have been. And I was technically in the right, but I was not spiritually right. How many of you know you can be technically right, but not spiritually right? You can be right, but not righteous. And I think God calls us to a higher standard saying, you might be in the right, but I want you to treat people the right way, the way that I treat you. In Matthew 5, verse 9, it says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Notice that it says those who work for peace. It's going to be work, isn't it? Making peace is work. It's not easy. If it was easy, anyone could do it. It's hard as it is. And for us Christians, I think we can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. But if you'll work for peace, if you'll do the work, if you'll put in the time, if you'll speak words of life, God will bless you and you'll be called a child of God. Jesus said, even sinners love those who love them. If you're only nice to the people who are nice to you, you're no different than sinners. If you're only loving to those who love you, you're the same as the world. But Jesus says, I say to you, love those who hurt you. Do good to those who harm you. So here's the next thing Jesus said. Next, he says, pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who hurt you. Okay, if you've been hurt, in other words, if you're alive and you've experienced the pain of betrayal and rejection or injustice, you know how deep those wounds can cut. They're the, the deepest wounds I think that we carry as human beings are the wounds that come from betrayal and rejection and injustice. It hurts deep. And a lot of times people will spend years and even decades trying to heal from these wounds. 
But you have to understand this. Praying for those who hurt you will heal you. This is why Jesus tells us to pray for those who hurt us. Those who reign on high as royalty, I think we can, we can treat people better than they deserve. And it starts with our words. It starts with the words that come out of our mouth. Maybe right now, if you're a Christian, you know the Bible, you'd say, well, doesn't it start with your heart? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's true. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But what do you do when the thing that's in your heart is bitterness and pain and, and, and you're just a wreck? When it's toxic, what do you do then? I don't want that to come out of my mouth, but I think if you'll force yourself to pray for those who hurt you, your prayers can transform the state of your heart. Your words that come out of your mouth can change the condition of your heart. We see this in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 6. David said, May the Lord be loyal to you in return and reward you with his unfailing love, right? These are the same guys who chased David around the countryside. And I think that David, he might've been tempted to wanna get even. He might've been wrestling with feelings of bitterness. Uh, And do you think, do you think it's possible that his prayer for them might have caused a change of heart within him? Jesus didn't say to pray for those who hurt you once you've healed. He said, pray for those who hurt you. In other words, it might be the process of praying for those who hurt you that brings about healing in your life. Amen. Sometimes if I'm mad at someone and I'm really frustrated, I know that the only thing I can do that will make the situation better is to pray for them. I've just learned this the hard way. I could either sit there and stew. I could either sit there and feel bad for myself. I could wallow in the pain of what they did to me, or I know that there is a remedy. It's to pray for them. And it's not easy, is it? I mean, it's downright terrible, if I'm being honest. It's not something that you want to do when someone hurts you. You're not like in the mood to pray for them. And so you have to honestly force yourself. Let's just be real. You have to make yourself do this. And it's not, but you can do it. You can force yourself. You just have to start pushing those prayers out. Like, God, I'm praying that you do not kill him today. I know what I said yesterday, but today... I'm making a baby step forward. Lord, I pray that you would give him a better job somewhere far from me, but a better job. God, would you give her a good hair day? Lord, I know she has terrible hair, God, but give her a good hair. Lord, would you bless his family? Lord, would you keep them safe? Lord, would you bless that business? God, would you take care of that church and provide for them? And and as you start to pray this way, even though it's uncomfortable and painful, something starts to happen inside of you. It's a supernatural miracle that happens. And it's not easy, right? Like it's, it's painful. It's just like, I don't want to say it. I cringe when I think about praying for someone who hurt me. It is. It's painful. But listen, the pain of forcing those words over your lips will soon be replaced by the peace of God in your heart. And so it's worth it. It's like rubbing soothing ointment on a wound. And even though it could be tender to touch, it will quickly bring healing. I believe this is why Jesus sets this example for us in Luke 23. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Um, When did Jesus pray this? From the cross, while he had nails piercing his hands and his feet, while the men who nailed him to this cross were down below mocking him, spitting on him, and having a field day. And yet he is not praying for justice. He's praying, God, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. If Jesus could pray for those who nailed him to a cross, I think I can pray for someone who talked bad about me behind my back. 
I think I can pray for someone who didn't invite me to a party. I think I can pray for someone who cheated on me. I can pray for someone who broke up for me. It's a great example. There is no greater example. The more you pray for those who hurt you, the more you're going to sound like Jesus. And the more you sound like Jesus, the better it's going to get. The more you're going to heal. The more you sound like our great healer, the more you're going to experience supernatural healing in your heart. Come on, you know it's true. This decision to pray for those who hurt you, oh, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Because I've said before that forgiveness is an instantaneous decision. You just have to decide, I'm going to forgive that person. But healing, healing can take a lot of time, right? And we've said in previous sermons that sometimes people think, well, I just can't forgive them. I haven't forgiven them. In reality, you did choose to forgive them. You just haven't healed yet. It takes time to heal sometimes, right? Like some things you can heal from quicker, but other things, it just takes time. But I do believe that there's a way to supernaturally speed up the healing process, and that's to pray for those who hurt you. Just watch what happens. As you're thinking right now about that person who hurt you, as you start to pray for them, God is just going to do something in your heart. It's like a soothing flood of God's love in your heart, and you'll find that you just start to think differently about that person. It's like God reminds you, Oh, yeah, he is a child of God, too. And you're tempted to be like, no, 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 he's a child of the devil. Trust me, Lord. And God's like, no, 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 I love him the way that I love you. I love him when he makes mistakes the way that I love you when you make mistakes. And you start to think differently about that person. And God brings things to your mind like, well, have you ever thought about what it was like to be him? There's been times God told me, you're not that easy to work for either. And I'm like, come on, God. Like, it's true. As you pray for people, it changes your perspective. In Proverbs 12, verse 8, it says, the tongue of the wise brings healing. Notice, it's the tongue of the wise. It's the words that we speak that bring healing. It's not your good thoughts or your good intentions. It's your words. Your words will bring healing. This sermon cannot take away the pain. Your good thoughts won't take away the pain. But when you start to speak words, you will feel peace in your heart when you pray for those who hurt you. Here's the next thing. I want to talk about the power that your words have to bring life to dead things. You might have some dead things in your life, some dead relationships, some dead dreams. What if I told you that there was a way to bring life back in to those dead things with your words? You could do it with your words. And it's not, it's not like a magic Harry Potter spell. This is like a real biblically supernatural true thing that you can do. Speaking life can bring the dead back to life. This is the third thing. I want you to write this down. Speaking life can bring the dead back to life. Positive thinking, positive talking, these are concepts that the world puts forward that are helpful. People say things like, you know, Oprah and Tony Robbins, hey, think positive. And, and it's not bad to think positive. Like, that's a lot of good that comes from thinking positive. It's helpful to, to be positive, a lot more so than being negative. I guess, you know, the truth is, if you're going to have to be one way or the other, be positive. The glass is half full, right? And so why do people, why do people receive that advice and put it into practice? Because it works. It's true. If you're positive rather than negative, you're going to be a happier person. But do you know why that's true? It's because the world is tapping into the truth of God's word. 
God already said this. God said it first. And it's funny how a lot of times people in the world who aren't Christians will be like, I don't believe in God, but they don't realize they're actually putting God's principles into practice in their life. How many people are listening to Dave Ramsey on the radio every day? Like, I'm debt free. They don't realize they're putting biblical practices into life with their money. They start handling their money God's way, and they're like, it's so much better, right? When you start thinking positive, or God would say speaking life, you'll find that life comes into your situation and circumstances. In Proverbs 18, 21, it says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences, that's what it says, Proverbs 18, 21. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. How many of you are like, uh-oh, because I've said some things. I've said some things, and I don't want to reap the consequences. But you can also speak life. And as you start to speak life, God will bring blessing into your life. He will bring life to your relationships. The words that we speak are so powerful, and there is a real supernatural truth to this that is beyond even our ability to comprehend truly. Um, it's the fact that God spoke the world into creation. Why did he do that? Have you ever wondered? He's God. He could do anything he wanted. He could just like blink and there would be everything. He could like cross his arms and like do one of those things and there'd be like everything. He could have just thought it, but instead he spoke it. Words are powerful. Jesus is called the word of God. The word of God, the logos in Greek of God, it's the expressed will of God. Words that we speak put force behind our desires. They're powerful. Jesus, he spoke to a dead little girl. He said, little girl, get up. And she got up. Jesus spoke words to his dead best friend, Lazarus. He's like, Lazarus, come out of that grave. And he came out. Now, we're not the son of God, so we cannot speak words of resurrection power to dead bodies. That'd be really cool if you could. All funerals that we'd have be really short. But we can speak resurrection life into dead relationships, into dead places. In 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7, David said this, Now that Saul is dead, I ask you to be my strong and loyal subjects like the people of Judah who have anointed me as their new king. Okay, so pay attention. Saul, their former master, was dead. Their purpose was unclear. Their future was was in perilous state. They didn't really know what was next for them as far as they were concerned. Maybe they would also soon be dead because of following King Saul. But David, he spoke life to these guys. He saw their value and he spoke their value into existence. He said, I want you to be my strong and loyal subjects. That's life-giving words, right? Like those are life-giving. I want you to be strong and loyal to me the way that you were to King Saul. And David brought these guys into his own retinue. He brought them onto his team by speaking life. I think about how Joseph in the book of Genesis, he spoke life to his brothers the brothers who sold him into slavery and betrayed him. He came face to face with them, standing in a position of power. He could have done anything he wanted to get even, but instead he spoke life. He didn't have a lot of good to say to them, but he said, what you intended for evil, God used for good. God used it to bring salvation to many lives. That's speaking life. He could have said, let me tell you about all the ways you wronged me. But instead he said, God used it for good. That's speaking life. I've had relationships that were strained and dead. I'm talking dead. Like you don't talk to each other, blocked on social media. You're a ghost to me, right? And God has worked in my heart. 
And it's not because I'm awesome or righteous, but because he just downloaded some stuff into me through the Holy Spirit and opened my eyes to some things and said, what if you start to speak life into those dead relationships? Why can't we be the one who sends the first message? Why can't you be the one who sends the first text? Since the first email, the first message on Facebook, you could maybe leave that first voicemail because they're not going to pick up the first time you call that. You could say that first. You could say the first thing. You could speak life first and say, hey, I'm sorry. Hey, I've been thinking about you. I, I feel bad about how things went down. I appreciate you. I love you. I might not like you, but I love you. Right. You could do it. You could start to speak life like this and watch God bring life back into dead relationships. I think this is a powerful thing that we need to start putting into practice in our life. Who has a dead relationship in here tonight? God is giving you a little bit of a push right now. You could send that person a text and say, I'm sorry I hurt you. You don't got to talk about what they did. Just think about yourself. I'm sorry I hurt you. You're important to me. I want the best for you. Right? Even if you're not sure you want the best for them, just believe it in that moment. You don't got to think about the 20 things they did wrong. Just focus on the two or three things they did right. You might be thinking, well, they didn't do anything right. Well, there's some reason that you liked them in the first place. Think about that. Think about that. And you'll watch God start to work in that relationship. These words of life that we speak will start to soften a hard heart. And at the same time, solidify the value of that person's soul to you and to them. Watch, if you have someone in your life who has experienced a lot of failure and a lot of disappointment, you can speak life to them. Say, I believe in you. Come on, you can do it. Get back up. Don't give up. You're good enough. Give it another shot. And watch that person come back to life. You can water the seeds of hope in that person's heart and give them the courage to keep on going. How many of you know sometimes I feel like giving up and I just need someone to tell me, don't give up? Come on, that's you. You can do that for someone else. Do you believe it? Come on, give God praise right now if you're grateful that God speaks life. Man, sometimes I come across people and it's like they're spiritually dead inside. They've just been rejected too many times. They've had too much heartbreak, too much failure, uh, too many things that didn't work out. When dreams don't come into fruition, it can produce just heartbreak inside of us. And you can bring those people back to life with your words. Just tell them, hey, it's not over for you. I believe your best days are ahead. I believe that you matter to God, that you belong here, and I care about you. Like, it's so powerful what that'll do. It's like doing spiritual CPR on someone. You know, they need, they need some breath of life back in their lungs. And so you just breathe, right? Like you matter to God. Breathe. You can do it with your words. Here's what I love about speaking life. It costs us nothing to speak life to people, but to the person who receives those words, it can mean everything. Right, why don't we give more words of life to one another? It's free for us to give them out, but it's a treasure to the person who receives. So why can't we just encourage people more than we criticize them? Why can't we look for opportunities to build people up? I think we can, I think we can do it. I think we can just give sincere compliments. It's not being a kiss up. You don't gotta worry about my head getting too big. Come on. Oh, I don't want you to get a big head when in reality, most people are walking around on the brink of depression and despair and they feel worthless. They just need someone to speak life to them. Man, I see the best in you. You've got value. You've got potential. God loves you. He's given you gifts. He's got a purpose for your life and watch their soul bloom. Watch their soul come to life. 
And this is what God does for us. He fills his word with a treasure of life-giving, soul-reviving, heart-healing words. God speaks words of life and promises of love over you. He says, you were formed in your mother's womb, and I knew you before that. He said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're chosen. I will supply all your needs. He says, I have removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. I will make your path straight. I will bless you and not curse you. He says, come to me if you're weary and I will give you rest. He says, you will refute every tongue that accuses you. You will be the head and not the tail. You are more than a conqueror. You will run and not grow weary. You will not be shaken. You will walk through the waters and I will be with you. You will walk through the flames and not be burned. You are free indeed. He says, he says, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These are words of life that God speaks over us and we cherish those words, right? So we shouldn't forgive them. We shouldn't forget them. And then we should also be ready to, to also give them to other people freely and just pass it on. For, we like to pass it. People always talk about how they passed it forward, paid it forward in the Starbucks drive-thru. I pay for the person behind me. Right, cool. How about you speak words of life to people? Like, I don't really care if you pay for my $3 coffee. Speak words of life to me. That's what I really need in my soul. That's what you can really do to bless someone else. Amen? And, and I got to be honest. Like, this is hard. This is a hard message. It's challenging. It's challenging. But you can do it. You can do it, and it just starts with one step. It starts with one step, maybe, maybe one text message. Today, I've had people telling me, hey, right after church, I sent somebody a message. Right after church, I called somebody. There's someone I know I, I need to call. I haven't talked to him for a long time, but I'm tired of carrying the burden of a dead relationship around with me. I don't wanna cringe when I think about running to someone in the grocery store. I don't wanna cringe and become bitter when I see that person's face on social media. I wanna, I wanna make things right. I wanna forgive. I wanna speak life. It's hard, but, but you can do it. Just take one step at a time. That's the thing about Christianity. You might feel like, well, I'm never gonna be perfect at this, and so maybe I should just give up. A lot of people are tempted to think that, I've noticed, and so they think, well, well if I can't do it right, if I can't do it perfectly, then maybe I shouldn't even try. But that's not the way this works. You don't have to be perfect to be a Christian. You just have to be pursuing Jesus, just faithfully following after him. And even if it's a baby step, even if it's just like a little baby step, God loves baby steps. The way that a dad cheers for his child when he takes his first step, our Father in heaven cheers for you when you just take little baby steps. Like you just send one little text message. Maybe it's just a little heart emoji. That's all. And God's like, that's all right. That's a good start, right? And then you just take a baby step and just tell that person, hey, I'm sorry. And just take, a, take another baby step. And maybe sometimes you'll kind of really make a lot of progress and you'll get really far ahead. And you're like, I'm doing it. How did I get all the way up here? And then just when you thought you were doing awesome, you'll be like, whoops, and you'll, you'll mess up a little bit. But that's all right. God still loves you. Just keep going forward. Just keep taking baby steps. Just keep growing to be more like Jesus. Just keep growing. And you might think, well, I can't. I can't keep doing it. But listen, you can. Keep running that race. Keep running that race. I love it that in the physical world, the longer we run, the more tired we get. But in the spiritual world, the longer we run, the stronger we get. 
You might take some bruises and licks along the way, but as you keep running after Jesus, you're going to get stronger and it's going to get easier. And you're going to say, I'm doing it. God's blessing my life because I'm acting like Jesus. And it's just a lot more fun. So keep going. Keep pursuing him. You believe it's possible. God will help you to do it. I believe it. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you for the blessing that you have spoken over us. God, I pray for any strained relationship here tonight that's represented in this room. God, you know every heart that needs to be softened. And I pray that right now you'll give us the courage to be people who speak life. I believe that people are going to leave this place tonight and send messages and, and leave voicemails and send texts, God, and it's going to be the beginning of life coming into dead relationships. I believe that as we go from here throughout this week, you'll show us opportunities to bless people and to give them compliments and to encourage them and, and speak out the value that we see in them. And you'll use those moments to do great things in people's lives. We want to be a church that speaks life. Maybe you're here tonight and you'd say, well, I have never accepted Jesus as my savior. And so when you talk about him dying on the cross for my sins, well, I need to experience that. Listen, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and savior, that's the most important decision you could ever make. It's the beginning of the process of receiving life spiritually. The Bible says that our own words will condemn us or acquit us. In other words, when we stand before God, the words that we spoke will determine whether we spend eternity with God in heaven or eternity separated from him in hell. It'll be whether or not we chose to accept or reject his son, Jesus. And so this is an opportunity tonight to accept him, to accept him. It says in Romans, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's the words that come out of your mouth that will either acquit you or condemn you. And if you'll call on the name of Jesus and say, I recognize you, as the son of God, the Bible says you will be saved. It's a guarantee. So if you're ready to take that step tonight, I want to lead you in this moment. You can just pray this prayer with me. Just say, God, I know I need your forgiveness. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross so I could be forgiven. I also believe that he rose again three days later so I could have eternal life. Thank you for blessing me even when I was cursing you. Thank you for saving me even though I was hurting you, God. Lord, I know that you loved me even though I didn't deserve it. And because of that, I want to follow you from this day forward with everything I am and everything I have. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet at this time. God is so good, amen? Listen, if you just prayed that prayer and accepted Jesus, you asked him to forgive you right now, I wanna celebrate with you before we go forward. We're not gonna embarrass you, but on the count of three, I'm gonna invite you just to shoot your hand up if that's you. One, God loves you. Two, three, just shoot it up. That's awesome, you guys. So good, so good. Awesome, thank you. Anybody else say, that's me. I love it. Why don't we give God praise tonight because he's been good to us? Why don't we just declare our love to him since he's given us so much? Come on.